Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me in the Betters Box. It's bangthebook.com's MLB betting podcast for Thursday, April 16th. I'm your host, Adam Burke. This and every edition of the Betters Box presented by our friends over at DSI Sportsbook. BTB and the number 200 is that promo code. 100% deposit match bonus for the Sportsbook. 100% deposit match bonus for the live casino at BetDSI. It's only a game until you bet it. My 2020 MLB betting guide still available in PDF form over at bangthebook.com. Look, obviously, we don't know how long the season is going to be here, but a lot of good information in that. You know what? Quite frankly, it may help you out for 2021 as well. So you check that out over at bangthebook.com. Also doing a lot of NFL draft coverage over at the website right now. I think I wrote one of my better pieces in the last several months talking about how you should let the betting markets be your guide. For the NFL draft, you know, these mock drafts are, you know, based on what some people hear from their sources, based on some of their own evaluations, some of their own biases. But if you watch the betting market, you can really see what's going on out there. You can see what's real, what isn't, what should be viewed as legit, and what probably isn't very legit. And I talked about some of the examples that we saw going into yesterday, and we've seen a few more examples here today. Things like CeeDee Lamb now favored to be the first wide receiver taken. Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of talk about Tua and Justin Herbert and all that kind of thing. C.J. Henderson was a big talking point over the last few days in betting circles. So please check that piece out over at bangthebook.com. Again, the betting markets will be a tremendous guide for you when it comes to making bets here on the NFL draft, when it comes to, you know, seeing who may go where, seeing which player your favorite team may be taking there with their first round selection or selections. Use the betting markets as your guide. They've been very, very good on the politics front. I know they'll be very, very good here on the NFL draft front as well. At the website, we'll be doing some more college football stuff as we get some more clarity on the season. But I will be recording this afternoon for a Friday show with Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. We're talking some college football. We're going to talk about his season preparations. He's been releasing team previews on Twitter uh, and for his clients over at BradPowerSports.com. So we'll definitely be talking about that stuff on that Friday edition of the show. And finally, over at BangTheBook.com, we've got sportsbook reviews for a lot of the different offshore markets. And look, you're going to have a lot of different lines, a lot of disparity, a lot of discrepancies out there. For the NFL draft, for season win totals, all that type of thing, head on over to bangthebook.com. Check out those sportsbook reviews. You're going to get some nice bonus offers if you sign up through us. But, again, you want to be able to shop around for the best prices in every single betting market, and you can do that by having multiple outs at your disposal. So check out those sportsbook reviews over at bangthebook.com. All right, so – Look, I've been talking a lot of stats. I've been talking a lot of different starting pitchers. I've been talking about a lot of stuff in hopes that the season actually gets underway here. You know, throughout March, I was doing the five and fly segments, breaking down each specific division. We still don't have baseball. And I don't know when we'll have baseball. Some people kind of pointing towards July 4th as that F yeah, America kind of moment. Maybe we get it. Maybe we don't. I'm certainly hoping we get sports sooner rather than later for a lot of different reasons. Uh, But, you know, with the quarantine, with everyone uh, burning up the streaming services here, I wanted to give you some of my thoughts on some of the uh, more popular baseball movies that are out there 
some that have been out there for a long time, some that were released this past decade. I'm going to try to hit as many of them as I can here in no particular order, just sort of running through. Maybe some of these will be hot takes. Maybe some of these won't be. Uh, maybe you've got movies that you like. Maybe you don't care for my opinions on these baseball movies. But we'll be doing another Monday mailbag after the weekend here. Adam at bangthebook.com, skatingtripods at gmail.com, at skatingtripods on Twitter. If you've got dissenting opinions on these movies or want me to check out any sort of baseball documentary or anything like that, shoot me a message. Let me know. We can talk about it on Monday's show. Uh, maybe I can even get a chance to get some eyes on that. I'll give you some of my thoughts here coming up after the weekend. But in any event, look, I mean, it's pretty obvious for me to start with Major League, right? I mean, as a Clevelander, I should love this movie. And for a long time, I really did. You know, Major League, my wife and I, in the lead-up to the season, we would do kind of a baseball movie marathon. We'd watch one movie a day. Usually it took us about a week or so uh, to get through the movies that we you know, both liked, that we both wanted to watch. And there are a lot of great moments and great quotes and quips and one-liners from Major League. And obviously, you know, there's some romanticism about that movie for me because you know, there are some scenes even though the movie wasn't shot, even though the baseball scenes weren't shot in Cleveland, uh, it's still, you know, there's still a lot of homage paid to my hometown here. I got to say, though, man, you know, one of the things that's the worst for me about going to baseball games is hearing the inane conversations around me or hearing just the outright wrong conversations. And it pisses me off to no end when people misquote this movie or overuse the quotes. And it always happens here, in particular because it's Cleveland. You know, I don't know how many times I've heard, oh, too high, too high on a ball that's hit 460 feet, or, you know, just all the other quotes that come out of that movie. And it's it's good. It's a good movie. I think I just got burned out on it a little bit because it's referenced all the time and maybe just because it's such a Cleveland thing. Look, the spring training scenes are great. They're hilarious. The love story with Jake Taylor and and Lynn, I mean, it takes away from the movie for me. I understand you need some of those cinematic elements and stuff like that, but it really takes away from the movie for me. But one of the things that's really cool about that movie is Bob Euchre. And, and Euchre did a lot of ad-libbed lines in that movie. If you watch some of the things that have come out about, you know, the filming of Major League or stuff like that, you know, uh, Jonathan Knight actually wrote a very good book about it. But a lot of those lines from Uke were ad-lib. And something I really love about that movie was that it had some edge. You know, it, it had a little bit of raunchiness to it. And that was something that was lost in Major League Two, which I'll talk about here in a second. But, you know, again, there are just so many endearing things about Major League for me, obviously, as a Clevelander. And I know a lot of people do love that movie. Love Lou Brown. Snarky, supportive, but still a realist and a real straight shooter, all the different characters that were on that team. Um, you know, it's kind of funny, too, because I personally could almost draw sort of a parallel to the 90s Indians. You had a lot of very colorful personalities with that 90s team. You know, Omar Vizquel kind of had a reputation around here, but then was also an artist and, you know, uh, a drummer and all that kind of thing. Uh, you know, Kenny Lofton obviously was a a swaggy kind of guy. Same thing with Manny Ramirez. Albert Bell, just that feared power hitter. 
there were a lot of personalities on that team that Mike Hargrove had to deal with. And I think that's something that maybe kind of aged that movie really well, especially for people you know around Cleveland. When you get to Major League Two, though, I had a lot of issues with this movie. First and foremost, they wanted to make it more family friendly. They wanted to you know strip down that R rating from the first one. This one's more of the PG variety, and it 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 hurt the movie in my opinion. You know, I think that the authenticity of the first movie with some of the, you know, some of the swear words and some of the things that were said, you know, stuff like that, I think that really helped the first one. That got lost in the second one. There's a lot of things that you could have done with Jack Parkman. There's a lot of things that you could have done, you know, with uh, with Jake Taylor kind of being a little bit more crotchety, uh, you know, with uh, Rick Vaughn after he kind of makes the transformation back into the wild thing. And another thing that's really hard for me to get over, and this is something that almost to a degree ruins the movie for me, keeping Willie Mays Hayes in the movie without Wesley Snipes. Now, Omar Epps did a fine job, and you know he did okay for what you know his role was in that movie, but just rewrite the character. Just go with you know his brother, you know, Billy Mays Hayes, or something like that. Just go with something different, because... There's nothing worse. It's such a hard mental hurdle to get over in any kind of movie where it's the same character played by somebody else. It just doesn't work, and it didn't work in Major League Two. So again, there are some things that I do like about the movie. I think the Wild Thing story is fine. The fact that fame kind of went to his head, you know, he gets this attractive agent and you know, all that kind of thing. That's fine. I think Rube Baker is hilarious. I think Tanaka is hilarious. Parkman was a great addition. Of course, Bob Euchre is very good once again. But there are two main issues I have with the movie. And the primary one is Omar Epps as Willie Mays Hayes. And again, it's not Omar Epps' fault. But it's just, you got to write the character out at that point in time. It just wasn't the same. It wasn't as edgy. It's fine. You know, don't get me wrong. It's fine. But it doesn't really hold a candle to the original Major League. And Major League 3 back to the minors just shouldn't exist at all. Now, this is maybe the hot, takeier part of the podcast here today. Movies like The Sandlot, like Little Big League, like Rookie of the Year, like Angels in the Outfield. Now, I understand that, that movies like this have a special place in a lot of people's hearts. Because they grew up with these movies. To me... I have a really hard time feeling a connection to those types of movies as I've gotten older. You know, there aren't, there aren't many movies that I watched as a kid that I watch these days. You know, maybe some of the movies I watched as a teenager, some of the coming-of-age types of things, like the American Pie movies, stuff like that. I'm a little bit more nostalgic about those. You know, sort of this concept of, of growing up versus, you know, kind of being a kid. It's the same thing with, like, the Mighty Ducks movies or Little Giants, something like that. I just, I don't have that same romanticism. I don't have those same kinds of feelings about those movies that a lot of people do. I know a lot of people, you know, still love The Sandlot, still quote The Sandlot. Uh, Little Big League and Rookie of the Year and Angels in the Outfield. Those are kind of secondary, if not tertiary, to a movie like The Sandlot. Yeah, as you get older, you get maybe a better understanding of the themes, of the overarching tones in the movie. And look, if you've got kids, you know, and you watch these movies with your children, they're going to take on a different meaning for you. I don't have kids. 
not particularly interested in having kids, uh, you know, really at any stage of my adulthood, but certainly not at this point in time. So I don't really have that same love for them. That being said, I mean, the Sandlot is the best of the bunch, to say the least. Little big, or uh, rookie of the year, excuse me, it's fine. You, know, you get Gary Busey as Chet Stedman, uh, director Daniel Stern as Brickma, the pitching coach. You know, that's very funny. A lot of comedic relief with that. Um, you know, Angels in the Outfield, great cast. You know, people, I don't, maybe people don't talk about that movie enough. Maybe it's just sort of that, um, you know, the religious undertone to it or whatever. But I mean, you got Danny Glover, you got Tony Danza, Christopher Lloyd, a young Joseph Gordon Levitt. Matthew McConaughey, Adrian Brody, Dermot Mulroney. That's a really strong cast for that movie. Uh, maybe people don't speak of that movie in the same way that they do the other ones. I think maybe it gets possibly a little bit disrespected. But, again, it's very tough for me to just have any kind of connection to these movies now as an adult. And, again, I understand everybody's got this soft spot for Sandlot. And, like I said, if you've got kids, you know, then these movies sort of speak for themselves a little bit in that regard. But uh, I just, I haven't watched any of them, you know, in a very long time. I, I haven't had any desire to watch any of those in a very long time. So maybe it's just me. Maybe I don't like to have fun. Maybe I don't like to feel like being a kid again or, or whatever else. But, uh, you know, again, obviously the Sandlot first in the pecking order there with that. But again, some very, very good casts to these movies. Maybe it's an anti-Disney thing. Maybe it's kind of that, you know, that Disney approach to a lot of different things. And, and I like some of the Pixar movies and stuff like that. Uh, you know, Up always gets me. Absolute tearjerker. Uh, we watched Onward uh, last week, two weeks ago, whatever it was. I don't know. What is this? Day 970 of quarantine. We watched Onward. That was pretty good. Um, you know, so there are some things with Disney that kind of get me. But the, the sports movies, kind of tough. Outside of Miracle. And maybe I just have more of a connection to Miracle because, you know, I played hockey growing up, uh, was a USA hockey member as a player and as a referee. So maybe there's kind of that. Maybe there's just a little bit more of an element to it to me. But also I think the historical context of Miracle is also something that fascinates me. So that one's kind of in a category unto itself. Uh, but again, I just, you know, I don't have the same, uh, the same nostalgia. Uh, about those, you know, kid-friendly baseball movies, for the most part. How about Moneyball? This will not surprise anybody. Moneyball is among my favorite baseball movies here. I think it was extremely well done. That's not a surprise. You've got, you know, the big backing of Columbia Pictures, Brad Pitt, a co-producer, a very heavy cast. You know, Aaron Sorkin was a co-writer. He's done Social Network, uh, West Wing, Sports Night, a big Aaron Sorkin guy. I actually like the newsroom. Not a whole lot of people like the newsroom, but I did like it. And then Peter Zalian, another guy who does that, you know, Schindler's List, Gangs of New York, Clear and Present Danger, great writers, you know, big studio backing, strong cast, very, very well done movie. So for those that haven't seen it, Brad Pitt, of course, plays Oakland A's GM Billy Bean. You've got Jonah Hill in sort of this hybrid role as Peter Brand, who by and large, is supposed to be after Paul D. Podesta, who was, you know, a longtime baseball executive and then an executive for the Cleveland Browns as well. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman plays manager Art Howe. And, you know, maybe the movie didn't portray Art Howe the way that he should have been. Art Howe was very upset about that after the movie came out. But you know, I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman 
for the character that he was supposed to play, absolutely nailed it. Uh, interestingly enough, an interesting tidbit I saw, I was kind of putting together some notes about these movies, uh, just some you know, interesting things to pass along alongside my opinion. Former Major Leaguer Royce Clayton actually played Miguel Tejada in the movie, which was kind of interesting. And I also saw that originally David Justice and Scott Hatterberg were supposed to play themselves. Of course, obviously, as we know, they wind up with Chris Pratt uh, as Scott Hatterberg. Uh, I'm not sure uh, who it was that wound up playing David Justice. But you know, they had some ex-base or some ex-minor league players you know, actually playing some of these roles, too, which was kind of nice. But I love the dialogue, and that's a big Sorkin thing. You know, Sorkin is so dialogue-heavy. The dialogue was great in this movie. You know, the way that Brad Pitt just sort of authoritative, authoritatively said everything, you know, just kind of, well, adapt or die, you're with me or you're not. You know, and obviously, too, I mean, as somebody who's, big into sabermetrics it is a a movie and a plot that would resonate with me but i like it a lot you know a lot of baseball movies are, are kind of more whimsical they don't pay as much attention to the baseball stuff this movie was certainly more on the executive and the front office sides but i thought everything was done really really well for this movie i like it a lot uh, it's definitely one of my favorite baseball movies and one that if i stumble upon it i will watch it you know there are a lot of baseball movies uh, i have to you know, actively want to watch them in order to see them. Moneyball is not one of them. I'll pick that movie up in the middle and watch it. If I catch it, it's on cable or something. I'll watch it from the jump. Uh, definitely one of my favorite baseball movies, to say the least. And if you haven't seen it, or if you haven't read the book by Michael Lewis, which is very, very good, I would highly recommend you do that here, especially with this quarantine going on. Another movie I really, really like is 42. And yesterday... You know, Jackie Robinson Day around Major League Baseball. Would have been great if we had games with everyone wearing 42, but this was extremely well done. Chadwick Boseman is awesome as Jackie Robinson. Harrison Ford is exceptional as Branch Rickey. Uh, terrific. It's an authentic-feeling movie. And again, maybe this is just the way that I kind of watch things or the way that, you know, even if I look at my music tastes, for example, I like a lot of authenticity in my music. I like a lot of people that write their own songs. That's kind of why I've gone the direction that I have in country music with a lot of, you know, Southern rock influence, Texas country kind of thing, um, you know, outlaw country kind of thing. People that write their own songs or that do an awesome job covering songs from artists that wrote their own music. I'm really, really big on authenticity. And I thought 42 was very authentic. Now, there are some little things here and there, some little detail-oriented things that I saw because I was kind of looking for some interesting notes about these movies. Uh, you know, just like pictures that were right-handed that were supposed to be left-handed, things of that sort. But this movie doesn't have a lot of bells and whistles, and it doesn't need them. It's not super flashy. It wants to stay true to not only the story of Jackie Robinson, but the story of America at that time period and the story of baseball at that time period. And that's what I like about it. It could have been a biopic. It could have been, you know, a Ken Burns-esque documentary about Jackie Robinson. And it's not. It's about Jackie Robinson, but it's also about you know his teammates and the way that they embrace Jackie and about society and how it kind of started to turn a little bit uh, at times, at least in certain areas across the country, with regards to Jackie Robinson 
and, and appreciating his talent and appreciating the hardships he was going through to play Major League Baseball. This movie was excellent, and I enjoyed it. I saw it in the theaters. I enjoyed it then. I've enjoyed it every time after. It's a great, authentic movie, and I think it really does justice to the story of Jackie Robinson and to the story of that period in particular that they were really looking at there. Extremely well done. Uh, you know, like Moneyball, obviously, it's it's based in – it's based on something that actually happened. And maybe that makes it easier for me as a viewer to appreciate and to get that deeper level of understanding for something. Whereas again, things like those, you know, those childhood movies, the Disney movies, um, you know, I just, I don't have as much of a connection to those, but Moneyball and 42 really, really like those two movies a lot, both highly recommended for me here uh, during this quarantine period. How about Bull Durham? You know, where I where I don't like the love story in Major League, you know, between Jake Taylor and Lynn, it works in Bull Durham. And and maybe it's just because, you know, I, I sort of I guess I romanticize minor league baseball a little bit. You know, having gone to Akron uh, for college and going to a lot of games there, going to a few games at Lake County, um, you know, you just it's one of these things, especially if you've got a real small town feel to it, the entire community just kind of embraces that. And that small town feel of Major League Baseball, it's just, there's something special about it. And and I'm going to hate to see, you know, what happens here after this whole quarantine thing. Major League Baseball was already going to cut a lot of these minor league teams out of the equation. And those are really sad things for a lot of these towns. You know, th- these are points of pride and the host families and you know, all that kind of thing. It, it, this community feel to minor league baseball is just, it, it's something different. It's very hard, I think, to put into words. And, you know, with Bull Durham, and I'm sure baseball and, and minor league talents, I'm sure it was so much different, you know, back in the, eight, the 70s and the 80s than it is today, than the frame of reference that I have today. But it's so interesting that you've got, almost this coming-of-age story with these young minor leaguers and Annie Savoy, of course, played by Susan Sarandon. You know, she's kind of the teacher on how to be a man, and what she gets out of it, you know, we all know what she gets out of it in a physical sense. Sometimes it's over the top, but I think by and large, it works. And I think that, you know, you kind of reach this crescendo with her, this point where she kind of gets tired of trying to bring these young men along and then you get this opening with Crash Davis there and the fact that now she can kind of, you know, settle down for herself. She's kind of past that point in her life, too, almost like as Crash Davis is retiring, she's retiring, too, from her, from her job as this, you know, quote unquote, very loosely using the term here, teacher. And like I said, it, sometimes it can be over the top and the opening monologue for Annie Savoy, too. You know, she's almost kind of proselytizing a little bit, but it works. You know, that's kind of who she is. And in this movie, so much comedic touch. You've got the subtle humor, the dry humor. Robert Wool is phenomenal as the pitching coach, Larry. He's just an outright comedic foil. You got a lot of quotable lines in this movie. Uh, you know, you've got kind of that. I don't want to say hero story about Crash Davis, but, you know, setting the minor league record and, you know, all that kind of thing that the perseverance types 
side to that story. It's not an Oscar win. And you could maybe even argue that with the themes of the movie, baseball is almost kind of secondary. But I still really like this movie. I do really like Bull Durham. There's a lot to like about this movie. It's actually a baseball movie that I kind of saw after I had seen you know, a lot of the other baseball movies. I was very late to seeing Bull Durham. But so much about this movie works. It's just good. And it's definitely Kevin Costner's best baseball role. Uh, there's really no denying that, in my opinion. I really like Bull Durham, man. It, there, there's something about it. And again, it is maybe whimsical-ish. But again, it has a historical frame of reference about minor league baseball and the life of minor league baseball. And that's why I can kind of connect with it. Again, there is just enough authenticity to Bull Durham that I wind up really, really liking that movie. So Field of Dreams. And I just mentioned, I just let the cat out of the bag, and I think Kevin Costner's best baseball role is Crash Davis in Bull Durham. Field of Dreams is a very polarizing movie in the baseball community. A lot of people like this movie, and a lot of people really, really don't. The more I've watched it, and I did really like it at the outset, the more I've watched it, I've kind of become indifferent to it. I think the concept is great. I think the story idea is fantastic. And, of course, as we know, it comes from the W.P. Kinsella book, um, Shoeless Joe. There are a lot of things to like about this movie. There are a lot of things not to like about this movie, and I'll start with that. My God, Ray's wife and daughter are annoying as hell. And maybe that's what kind of ruins the movie for me. They are brutal. They are very, very hard to take. I like the historical baseball element to this movie. I like the story of Archie Graham, which is actually true. And one of the things I found out about this movie is that the people that Terrence Mann, of course, played by James Earl Jones, is talking to in the bar about Archie Graham were actually friends of Archie Graham that found out about the movie, drove down from Minnesota to Iowa to sort of be seen in that movie. So, Something about a little nugget like that, almost an Easter egg, I guess you could call it, about that movie. I do really like that. And of course, the having a catch with his dad part. I mean, look, for anybody who played baseball with their dad growing up, uh, for anybody who's lost their father, fortunately, I have not. But for anybody who's lost their father, a, a very emotional moment, to say the least. There are a lot of flaws, and there are a lot of unlikable characters in the movie, too. And, you know, th- there's. There's some tough things to wrap your head around. You know, Kevin Costner kind of just kidnapping Terrence Mann. Uh, you know, some of the things like that. It's not at the top of my list. It's a fine movie. I won't go out of my way to watch it like I maybe would have a decade or so ago. It's good. It's not great. Like, there are some flaws. Like, there are some things that if you're willing to overlook those flaws, you can very much enjoy that movie. It's just, it's not at the top of my baseball list. Uh, it's... I guess it's kind of hard to describe why it's not. I think it's good. If you haven't seen it, obviously I encourage you to check it out. But there's some things where it's not not, not as polished of a product as I think it could have been. Uh, For the Love of the Game could have been so much more. Not a great look for Costner as an actor. Probably his worst acting role of the baseball movies that he did. This This movie lost money relative to its budget. Finn Scully is the best part of the movie. Uh, just not one that I'm super invested in. Uh, your your view may vary on that movie. How about The Natural? Of course, with Robert Redford. And 
this is another one where it's not necessarily based on you know baseball in a historical sense, but it's kind of almost the baseball story of King Arthur. It's a very heavy movie. It can be very slow at times. It can be very long at times, but a great cast. It's just, you know, it's all about the kind of baseball movie that you want to watch. If you want to watch something whimsical and fun, something that's not heavy, something that's just kind of easygoing, sort of an escape, a distraction, The Natural is not that movie. A lot of symbolism, a lot of parallels to historical figures. It's kind of a thinking man's movie in a lot of ways. It's not an escape at all. It's a pretty heavy movie. That's why it got Oscar nominations. You don't see a lot of sports movies getting respect from the Academy. This one did. And I do like Robert Redford a lot as an actor. As far as a non-baseball movie goes, if you've never seen The Last Castle with Robert Redford, uh, James Gandolfini, Mark Ruffalo's in that movie as well. Very, very good movie, The Last Castle. I like The Natural, though. And again, it's heavier. It's slower at times, but it's really, really good. It's very heavy, but I think it's extremely well done. And it it hits all the points that it wants to hit on. And I, I, I respect that about that movie. And similarly with a movie like Eight Men Out, it's the same thing. It's slower. It's heavier. It's got that historical focal point, which I do like. Strong cast, and obviously a very compelling story to the 1919 Black Sox scandal. Justice was done to that story. That story is compelling. It is fascinating. And you sort of feel that through this movie and through what was a really, really good cast. Director John Sayles did a great job with this movie. Maybe it wasn't a big screen type of movie. Maybe it's almost more of a 30 for 30 or a documentary or something like that. But I think in its state, for what it was, it's a really well-done piece of history, quite frankly. And obviously, with anything that's based on history, they do take some liberties here and there. But I think if you're looking for a historically-based baseball movie, this is kind of the one. So if you've never seen Eight Men Out, I definitely think that you know that's one that uh, is definitely worth taking a look at. And again, I'm saying baseball specifically because... As far as historical ball-playing movies go, A League of Their Own is tough to top. Now, this movie, for those that don't know, pays homage to a real-life league that ran from 1943 to 1954 called the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And, again, this is an iconic movie. A great cast. Tom Hanks as Jimmy Jimmy Dugan, of course. Fantastic. I haven't seen it in a long time, and it is a movie that I need to rewatch that I can probably appreciate it more now that I'm older and maybe potentially a little bit wiser. But, you know, so many lines from this movie that have been used in other things, all the accolades from the film industry and all of that. I can't speak a ton about this movie because it has been a while, at least 10 to 15 years since I've seen this movie. And I probably would have a much different view of it now than I did back then, but Again, it is kind of a movie that stands on its own in a lot of people's minds and one that I need to pick up and watch again here uh, in the not-too-distant future. The Rookie with Dennis Quaid. Again, you know what? A Disney-fied story. Okay, fine. But it's pretty good. You know, it's heartwarming. It's got, you know, that great, uh, you know, underdog type of story with Jim Morris. 
And I think what really works for this movie is that Dennis Quaid can do this type of thing justice. This idea of perseverance, this idea of maybe not being the most skilled guy, but being able to get by and being able to sort of get to a seminal moment, you know, in your career. And for Dennis Quaid, for Dennis Quaid, I mean, look, a couple of divorces, the coke addiction, you know, he played kind of that troubled athlete role in any given Sunday. This was an easy movie for him to channel. And that kind of comes through. And like I talked about earlier with, you know, why I appreciate the authenticity of, of the of the artists that I do from a musical standpoint, it's because a lot of those songs are coming from personal experience. And they're able to connect with them differently. And it comes across in the music. Unless you've got an absurd amount of vocal talent, you're doing somebody else's song. Unless you can really get into it, your vocal talent carries. But you can hear the different layers in music with somebody who writes their own songs, then performs their own songs. And I think what made this movie work is I think Dennis Quaid was able to get into the character of Jim Morris. Now, Jim Morris didn't have the coke addiction or anything like that, but just kind of the never giving up and the overcoming a lot of different things. And for Dennis Quaid, keep overcoming the stuff in his personal life to keep getting work. I think he was kind of able to channel that into this movie, and it works. And again, I think this movie is more about perseverance than it is about baseball, and obviously kind of the Disney factor in it, too. I think they did the baseball well enough for the rookie to be, you know, one of the, uh, in, in not the upper tier, but the upper half of baseball movies. Trouble with the curve. Clint Eastwood, Amy Adams, Justin Timberlake, John Goodman, quality framing or uh, quality framework for the cast. Just not a good movie. And obviously for me, it's not up my alley. The premise of, oh, analytics are bad, numbers are bad, we need scouts. Scouts are still very prevalent in baseball. So I think, in general, the plot of the movie was pretty misleading, pretty disingenuous in and of itself. The screenplay was not very good at all. Again, you've got a great cast here, and the movie just fell totally flat. And I wish they could have did more with it, uh, but they didn't. So, Come With the Curve is definitely a very forgettable baseball movie for me. Same thing as a movie like Summer Catch and stuff like that. Very, very forgettable. Admittedly, there are some I haven't seen. And I was hoping to maybe watch these before I got to doing the show, but just didn't really find the, the ability to do that. The original Bad News Bears, not one I've seen. Bang the Drum Slowly, not one I've seen. I don't remember movies like Million Dollar Arm, Mr. Baseball, Hardball, uh, The Babe, you know, Mr. 3000, I think. I don't really remember any of those, but... You know, hey, we got a lot of time here on our hands with this quarantine to watch some different stuff, maybe try some of these baseball movies if you haven't seen them. If you haven't seen Moneyball, 42, Bull Durham, The Natural, and Eight Men Out, those are the ones that would be at the top of my list as far as baseball movies go. If you haven't seen Major League, and again, you don't have to rush to it, but as a Clevelander, certainly I've got you know, kind of some nostalgia for that movie, and it is very good. Major League 2 is fine. And obviously, if you've got kids, go ahead and watch those cartoony type movies like The Sandlot, Little Big League, Rookie of the Year, Angels in the Outfield, stuff like that. But for me, it's Moneyball, it's 42, it's Bull Durham. Those are my top three, not in any particular order. 
natural eight men out kind of in that next tier. Like I said, I need to watch a league of their own again uh, just to get some more thoughts and, and some more firm reference on that one. Like I said, I'm recording Thursday afternoon a college football show with Brad Powers from BradPowersSports.com, so we'll do that on Friday. Monday, another edition of the Betters Box. Tuesday, we'll chat again with Brian Blessing. Wednesday, we'll talk with Thor Nystrom of Roto World about the NFL draft. Thursday, Betters Box, and uh, we'll see what happens after that point. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.